Hello and welcome to the Motherkind podcast with me, Zoe Blasky. I'm really excited about today's episode. It's with Chloe Botheridge. If you don't know Chloe, she's a hypnotherapist, anxiety expert and author of The Anxiety Solution, which was released earlier this year. And it's fast becoming the go-to book for anyone struggling with anxiety. And I think that's because it's both a brilliantly practical and insightful book. So if you'd like some support with anxiety or anxious feelings I'd really recommend you get a copy. I hear so many mums struggling with this and I've definitely had my own issues with it so it was such a pleasure chatting to Chloe about all things anxiety related. We discussed her own journey with anxiety. Some people are much more able to kind of pinpoint what their emotions are, what's going on with them. I wasn't like that, I needed a therapist basically to help me talk about my feelings. Her hippie parents, meditation and what we can do as parents to help our children if we think they might be anxious. If you don't know what anxiety is like yourself, do as much as you can to educate yourself about what it's like so that you can understand and just help your child to feel understood. So I hope you enjoy the episode and if you did then please leave a review and a comment. Here it is. So Chloe, welcome. Thank you so much for making the time to chat to me today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I listened to your book on Audible, which was just brilliant because I felt like you were in the room with me, like a really wise friend. I just loved how practical it was. Did you really enjoy the process of writing the book? Yeah, it was... A lot of people ask me if I got anxious about writing it because <laughs> it's quite a big... It's obviously a big project, but I did enjoy it. It's very... I'm very kind of... Um, I had lots of deadlines and things, just had to get my head down and sort of get it out quite quickly because I knew I wanted to just get it out there quite quickly. And, you know, I did a lot of research for it. So it was a lot of extra learning for me. So it's always helping me to learn more. And I enjoyed talking to clients and getting their tips and incorporating that in the book as well. So, yeah, it was a good it was a good process. I think that yeah. really comes through in the book, like the examples that you give just give it so much colour. Mm. And also I love how technical you get in some bits of it. Mm. A lot mm. of the journals that you quote, I really enjoyed that. I thought it gave it real substance. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted everything to be backed up by science, not just kind of, not too airy-fairy. It's very practical and there's, yeah, evidence for the things that I'm saying. So that was important to me. And why did you decide to specialise in anxiety? Have you always been about anxiety or was that a sort of organic process to get to that point? I actually trained as a nutritionist and had nothing to do with that. I did a degree in nutrition and then I retrained as a hypnotherapist. And when I first started as a hypnotherapist, I was seeing all types of issues, kind of weight loss and smokers and things. But I'd had my own issues with anxiety in the past. And I also noticed that I think, I don't know if it's some kind of like the clients know somehow you know what they're going through because I just started to have a lot of people coming to me for anxiety. So, and I think people really appreciate it when they know that you know what it feels like, if you see what I mean. So I was attracting them to me somehow. Yeah, that resonance yeah. is really important, isn't it? Yeah, and I think... You talk about anxiety being a really umbrella term in the book. Mm. How does someone know if they're suffering from anxiety what are some of the telltale signs yeah so I always say it's something you should get diagnosed by a doctor and they will ask you to fill out a form and there are certain criteria whereby they will you know diagnose you as having anxiety or not but it might be things like you know finding that you can't stop worrying about things you know feeling like you can't switch off your mind having difficulty concentrating you know 
often it's very physical symptoms as well, you know, palpitations, feeling shaky, nervous, upset stomach, those sorts of things. So it can be a lot of physical symptoms as well as mental and kind of emotional things. Mm. Um, but definitely speak to a doctor if you suspect you might have anxiety. And as a mum, I found, you know, there was a lot to worry about before I was a mum, but since becoming a mum, I feel like my worry potential has almost doubled now that I've got another life I'm responsible for. How do we know when we're, as mums, sort of got a healthy dose of concern and worry and when we've tripped into anxiety maybe becoming a problem and something we should go to our doctor about? Yeah, I think it's, you've got to look at how much it's affecting your life. Is it causing you distress? You know, is it making you more irritable with people, for example, more than normal? Is it causing you problems with sleep that aren't to do with your your child you know keeping you awake at night you know how much is it affecting your life and then you know if it really is affecting your life then it's it's a good idea to get to get help and in the book you talk about befriending anxiety which I just loved Mm. it's something that I do a lot of as well is when I start to feel that anxious feeling like I sort of check in and say what's going on here you know um, can you talk a bit to that, about going through that process of what we can learn from our anxiety? Yeah, I think so many of us, I think when clients come and see me, often they say, I just want the anxiety gone, I want it to stop, you know, as if they wish they could wave a magic wand and it would just be gone. And obviously that would be lovely. But the reality is that the anxiety is there for a reason. A lot of the time there's something that we need to learn there's a change we need to make maybe there's something from our past that needs to be kind of healed or worked through or processed so if you start to think about your anxiety as being a friend that has something to teach you rather than this enemy that you need to block out by staying really busy or you know drinking half a bottle of wine or you know numbing yourself somehow you know then actually you can kind of get to the root of the anxiety and make those kind of important changes and feel better yourself and it comes from within you. And can we do that on our own or do you think we need to have a professional help guide us through that process or can a friend help us? How would, we, how would that sort of practically work? Yeah, I mean, it depends. It depends. I know when I first started kind of realising I needed help for anxiety, I was so blocked and so I didn't know what... I just felt confused. I was really not emotionally literate at all and I needed a therapist basically to help me to talk about my feelings and I was quite kind of repressed in a way some people are much more able to kind of pinpoint what their emotions are what's going on with them where things have come from I wasn't like that I needed a professional some people are you know just know much more about that so I would say it's on an individual basis but I mean things like just journaling sometimes can be really helpful just you know asking yourself this question what what is this anxiety trying to teach me what what do I need to do differently are there beliefs from my past that I've sort of taken on board that I need to start to change or work on and then just doing some writing and seeing what comes to your mind or maybe having a conversation with a friend about that topic and seeing what kind of comes up from that. And what was your anxiety trying to tell you, do you think? So for me, it was definitely about sort of self-love and acceptance. And I think for most people, that is an important component of it, I found. You know, if you don't feel good enough, if you don't feel good about yourself, if you're constantly beating yourself up, then that's going to create a lot of anxiety. You're going to put a lot of pressure on yourself. You're not going to feel confident about handling challenges so for lots of us, I think that is the root cause. And that was for me, definitely. You talk about that a lot in the book. And I love that section on 
perfectionism and decision making. You know, what I found being a parent now is how many more decisions I have to make. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the right nursery? What's the right way to wean her? What's the right, you know, I, I felt like really overwhelmed. I just wondered if you could share some of your thoughts on healthy decision making and how anxiety can sort of play havoc with that process Mm, yeah yeah so so firstly when we're anxious when we're in almost fight or flight mode you know when you feel really kind of on edge or nervous we can't think clearly and the frontal cortex the kind of rational part of the brain kind of shuts down to a certain extent and we just see things in black and white so we think oh I'm either going to make the right decision or it's going to be a disaster you know it's either I'm either weeding her correctly or you know I'm going to ruin her life or something and that's the way we think when we're really anxious so trying to do what you can to get into a calmer state I guess in your day-to-day life so that you're able to access your rational mind more easily and realize that things aren't so black and white and also I think what we do is we think that the more we analyse something, the better the answer is going to be. Like if we could only overthink something enough, then we'll find that one perfect solution. But actually, there are no perfect solutions. There are no perfect kind of decisions. And, you know, sometimes it's just about accepting that it's good enough and that's OK. And yeah, more thinking doesn't equal better thinking, I think. I'm a real one for that. The old analysis paralysis, I call it. I can, can, yeah, I can just get locked in the what ifs and the playing out every scenario. And you give a um, affirmation, which is it's all happening perfectly. Mm, Yeah. And that that one's saved me a few times. Yeah. I think I first read that in a Susan Jeffers book. I can't remember. It's from from, um, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my faves. (laughs) (laughs) I listen to her book on audiobook and I can sometimes hear her voice saying it's all happening perfectly it's all happening perfectly so yeah I like to say that as well that's what I listen to that on audible constantly as yeah, well yeah it yeah. is really good isn't it, it? Is it's good. such it a classic good. yeah it's quite old now but it is it's still relevant and I still think it was like the 80s yeah yeah so I think affirmations can be so helpful can't mm. they what a few mm. what a few more of your favorites that you put so out? my favorite is no matter what happens, I'll handle it, which I think is another Susan Jeffers. That actually. is another I Susan just, Jeffers. I have credited her in the book. <laughs> I haven't just stolen her affirmation. <laughs> um, but I think that is the answer to a lot of these what-ifs. You know, if you're saying what-if, what-if. And that's such a classic anxiety thought. You know, it's about what's going to happen in the future. I'm not going to be able to cope. Things are going to go wrong. And often there isn't an answer to that. We don't know what's going to happen in the future, but you can say, I'm going to handle it because Mm. I've handled challenges in the past and I've got a lot of resources and strengths and I know that, you know, I am capable and it's just reminding yourself that you are. And can meditation help get to that space as well of being more sort of anchored in the moment? Yeah, I find meditation one of the best things ever. I'm constantly, and you're a convert as well. Yeah, daily. (laughs) I I spend like most of my life trying to persuade people to meditate I feel like yeah I mean it changes your brain essentially it just changes the hardware that you experience the world through so you know you become naturally calmer and happier and more optimistic and more able to handle those kind of challenges that come up when you're spending that time you know working on your your mind essentially working out your brain and can we go a bit sciencey for the real rational people out there yeah How, how does it change our brain chemistry Yeah, so you grow more grey matter in the front part of your brain, which is the rational part. So instead of getting kind of swept away by thoughts and worries, you're kind of able just to recognise 
oh, that's a thought that I'm having. You know, that's just that that old worried thought and you can stay kind of centred in the moment much more. Other studies have found, there's been studies into transcendental meditation, which shows that the two sides of your brain start to communicate better with each other. They call it coherence. And yeah, that's a good thing apparently for just... And what's being... TM for people who don't so know? So that's transcendental meditation where you have a mantra, which is a word, it's a Sanskrit word, and you say it to yourself in your mind and it really quietens your mind down in a very effortless, easy way. It's um, just a different form of meditation, I suppose, as opposed to maybe mindfulness, where you're focusing on your breathing. So it's just a different, different And you way. practice TM, don't you? Yeah, so I practice TM. I've done lots of things with mindfulness in the past. I decided that TM was the one that I was going to commit to. But everyone's different. People's brains are different and different types of meditation for different people, I think. And do you think, I mean, it's a, a big, it feels like a big movement at the moment, isn't it? Mindfulness and meditation. Do you think people are getting more and more into it or are you still hearing and seeing lots of resistance and why do you think that is? I think definitely people are getting more into it and it's become less of this kind of airy-fairy thing that you, you know, it's only for monks to do or something. But I think there's a lot of resistance. I think there's time, people think they can't, switch their brains off people who can't stay still you know I think there's lots of not excuses but kind of reasons that people feel that they can't do it barriers that get in the way yeah time is a big one time is a big one yeah especially for mums yeah. and I yeah. found like before I had Jesse, I found it to be honest like quite easy to fit you know 10 minutes in the morning mm. 10 minutes in the evening now it's really hard I have yeah. to really make it priority yeah. but I think because I notice it so much on the days that I don't meditate I basically go back into my sort of crazy overthinking controlling mind so mm. I know I just have to do it I've worked yeah. it out but I think that's what I hear when I chat to my you know mum mates about it people I might be working mm. with it's just I can't work out when to fit it in given you know already really full day with childcare. Mm. have you got any mm. tips of how you can fit it into your day or yeah. any way any other tools that we can use this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy is just an incredible, safe non-judgmental space. I absolutely love it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule, which I think as busy mums is what we all need. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash motherkind today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash motherkind. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right about the, the priorities thing. And when you notice, I think if you really knew that it was going to help you, if you really knew this is going to make such a difference to my day and you had experienced that, then you can make that your priority and be like, right, I'm going to make this the most important thing. And I think it is about remembering that as a mum, your mental well-being, your well-being is incredibly important. And when you take care of yourself, that's going to have positive effects on your whole family so trying to make that the priority um but even you know incorporating mindfulness into other parts of your life so when you're eating your food really focusing on your food and you know taking the time to step away from the tv and just 
taste your food and eat mindfully and slowly or if you're walking you know maybe not having the radio in your ears and kind of absorbing yourself in your surroundings and noticing the feeling of moving and the air on your skin and yeah treating those times as a a time to be mindful and almost to have a walking meditation or something yeah walking with the buggies quite Mm. easy to do I mean I walk with the buggy most days and I I do try it when I remember Mm. I do try and do you know a section of that mindfully obviously I can't do the whole thing yeah too difficult but yeah I can do sort of right five minutes I'm just gonna try and do this really mindfully and be anchored in the now and what's going on around me it does make such a big difference yeah and your parents meditated a lot didn't they yeah my parents are hippies (laughs) 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 yeah so I they was trying to get me to meditate from a young age and I was like no I've found alcohol and that is much more fun than meditating and it serves a purpose for helping me to feel less anxious well in a very short-term mm. way and obviously not long-term and it wasn't very effective but yeah so it took me a while to to realize that maybe they they had a point and maybe they were onto something <laughs> <laughs> so what does someone do if they recognize signs of anxiety in their child mm, mm. what would you say to them yeah yeah so I think do as much as you can if you if you don't know what anxiety is like yourself do as much as you can to educate yourself about what it's like so that you can understand because I think people feeling understood is really important and you know so read blogs have a look at I think the mind website is really good and it has lots of blogs on there and information and just help your child to feel understood and I think it's a balance between kind of trying to encourage them if they're afraid to do things if they're quite anxious you know if they're anxious about going to I don't know a party or something it's a balance between you know not forcing them but gently encouraging them to try to do the things that maybe they're they're sort of nervous about but not not forcing because that can you know make things worse so it's that balance of gently encouraging them to try mm. to try to do things and you talk about that in the book you mention a few different parenting styles that can you know not be fully responsible but maybe could can sort of edge people towards anxiety such as you know helicopter or controlling mm. is there mm. anything that we can do as parents to help prevent anxiety in our children or maybe build more resilience around it mm. yeah so one of the things that can be helpful is risky play that's the word I'm looking for risky play so they found that children who are kind of overprotected and kind of kept too safe end up not trusting themselves being overly cautious because if you don't learn that it's okay to kind of fail or it's okay to skin your knee you know and and you're okay sort of thing then you don't necessarily develop that resilience and that confidence that you can handle those sorts of things. So sometimes it's about, you know, letting your child climb that tree or go on that skateboard and, you know, not crazy risks, but small risks here and there. And they grow confidence and resilience through learning that that's okay to do that. It makes sense, doesn't it? Because as adults, you know, some of the greatest things that I've learned are from totally screwing things up. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah. it applies the same. But what I notice with Jessie, and she's 19 months now, is that when I'm feeling really good and connected and calm, I'm much more able to sort of let her have more of that freedom. Mm. When I'm feeling, mm. you know, maybe I've missed my meditation or whatever's happened, and I'm feeling a bit more anxious, I think I transfer that onto her. That's so interesting, yeah. Is that yeah. something that you've sort, sort of seen? Do you, do you work with many mums? Yeah, I do, I do. I find that I think you're right about when you become a mum, maybe fears that had been smaller in the past suddenly become greater because you, you're sort of more hyper-aware. Um, so I do, I do. And 
I think if you are anxious in front of your children, of course, they're going to maybe pick pick up on some of those things. And obviously, you just got to do your best and, you know, you can't control that completely. But we definitely do learn things from our parents. You know, I, I'm pretty sure I learned kind of some cautiousness and kind of worrying habits from my mum and she probably learned it from her mum and things and you just got to do your best and yeah I'm always saying to mums to take care of themselves and that is gonna as you said have a positive effect on your children that's the best thing you can do. And if we're feeling anxious around our children or any other sort of unhelpful thinking that may be happening are we best to share that with our children say you know I'm feeling a bit anxious or actually is it will that normalize it or is it better to just you know take that away from that relationship and maybe share that with a partner or a friend yeah I think it's good to to be honest about things and not necessarily kind of suppress things I suppose it depends where that's where that's coming from if you you know I think it does help to explain if you're being a certain way you know this is why this is why mummy's is feeling this way you know and and explaining that but always I think talking to friends and especially maybe friends who understand who've mm. gone through similar things I think that's really important and people can be a support to each other and just having that because anxiety can be so isolating I think you often can feel as if you're the only one that feels that way or if you keep your thoughts to yourself they can get quite scary and they can start to spiral so I'd say speaking to to someone whether it is a friend or a therapist or something is really important and I read in the book that women are twice as likely to suffer anxiety mm, as men mm. that really shocked me right yeah yeah why is that yeah so there's a few reasons so our brains are slightly different to men's our amygdalas are more reactive so the amygdala is the part of the brain that's creating the fight or flight response so biologically we're slightly more wired to be anxious there are other reasons as well, things like women being more likely to be overprotected. So you don't necessarily learn that sense of kind of confidence that maybe little boys are kind of encouraged to develop. We're more likely to ruminate as well. I don't, this is, no one's sure if this is nature or nurture, but guys um, are more likely to take action and women are more likely to ruminate on things. So we, before we kind of move forward with something, we're overthinking things, we're you know, trying to find that perfect solution. Whereas men will kind of take action and maybe deal with the consequences, you know, more than women will. So we need to start taking more action, mm. basically. We need I, to get into that action taking. I definitely see that with my husband. Like, if I go to him with a problem, he'll just come up with, like, five different solutions. And I'm a bit like, oh, hang on, no, I just I just wanted to talk to you about... You know, I didn't necessarily yeah. want you to come up with all these action plans, <laughs> which you're right, he seems to be yeah. able to do really quickly and naturally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And if a mum friend came to us, um, you know, and just I'm feeling really anxious, how can we help someone who might be feeling anxious? I think talking about it, just listening can be, you know, it's so, so simple, isn't it? But often people do just keep things to themselves and don't necessarily open up about them so talking about it and whenever you put your feelings into words whenever you say I'm feeling anxious about this I'm feeling like a failure I'm feeling guilty because of this it actually has the effect of calming down the amygdala so just putting feelings into words actually calms us down so that there's a reason why talking about stuff makes us feel better 
Um, I mean, go, such simple things like going for a walk with them and, you know, helping them to get out of the house or encouraging them to write things down. I just think that's such a therapeutic thing that you don't even need someone to to talk to. You can just write things down and, and getting into that, that process of, you know, offloading things on paper, I think can be really helpful. That's so interesting that even talking naming those feelings can mm, mm, can't I didn't mm. know that that's fascinating yeah, and what yeah. if you're a sort of person like you talked about earlier if you're quite shut down and quite blocked and you can't even put words to some of what's going on inside mm, if mm. you've got any advice with someone who might be in that place yeah yeah probably it is about the the journaling again and just starting really slowly with it and just saying to yourself right I'm going to do five minutes today I'm going to write half a page and it gets easier the more you do it you just got to start and a lot of people I'm running an online program at the moment I've had a few people contact me saying oh, I'm finding it I'm really putting this off I really don't want to do this journaling activity I'm noticing loads of resistance about it and I say just start really small and just start to kind of ask yourself how am I feeling you know what's this about um what am I noticing right now you know what am I noticing what am I feeling in my body even you know just encouraging someone to write about that yeah journaling has been great for me mm. I think it's often that thing like I'll start and I'll feel a bit silly if I've not done it for a while I can be like oh god and then sometimes and then it's amazing to me I'm writing like pages and pages and, pa- mm. and you know and having mm. new awarenesses and mm. Mm. it's such a good tool isn't it yeah and I've read somewhere that it helps us access our subconscious is that is that true yeah well I think there's something about writing you know because you're doing something physically at the same time as so it's not the same as just thinking in your head there's mm-hmm. something about actually writing things down that sort of activates your your subconscious because it's a physical so you're physically writing something mm-hmm. so it's very good and remembering that no one's going to read it you know I think sometimes people are concerned that oh I'll be embarrassed if I read it back or I don't want anyone to find it you know keep it just for you no one's going to read it you don't need to even read it back you could some people burn pages afterwards or, you know, shred it afterwards or something. And it's not about kind of that. It's just going through the process that's important. Yeah. Yeah, it's the process, isn't mm. it, rather than the, mm. the outcome. Mm. So you mentioned your online course. Mm. What else is next for you? You've obviously got your book out. How can people learn more about what you do or, or access more of your work? Yeah, so my website is karma-u.com and I've got a free MP3 on there that's a relaxation mp3 that people can download i do lots of events in london often at kind of yoga studios or hotels that people can come along to if they're in london i also have other sort of online things coming up things for sleep kind of hypnotherapy mp3s and um, we're going to have a few other programs coming up as well in the next few months so sounds good yeah and then just one final question which is something that I ask every guest I have on the podcast which is that if you had a magic wand Mm. and you could gift all the mums in the world one thing what would it be self-love it's got to (laughs) be what a nice note to end on yeah thank you so much (laughs) thank you so much